Live from the Talking Joe Studios, it's Talking Joe with Chief and Chris. Hey, 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 it's me, the Chief Dog. I'm joined, as always, by my buddy. It's me, Chris, a.k.a. Diagnostic 80 from The Full Force, and of course this show. It sure is, and I am delighted to say that hot on the heels of the fabulous Mr. Chad Bowers last week, we have another guest. Um, you may, you may, yeah, you may know him from his comic book writing on uh, X-Men 92, uh, Deadpool Bad Blood, Ash vs. Army of Darkness, amongst others. He's also a podcasting fiend. He does. <laughs> he might even do more than you, Chris. I don't oh, know. Absolutely. And of course, he's a, a GI Joe fan, and is uh, the excellent Mr. Chris Sims. How are you, sir? I am doing great. I feel like most of that intro you you had left over from last week. <laughs> Chad was here. Um, I I am going to straight off the bat. Uh, we've already had some issues with both of you being called Chris. So um, I'm going to instigate this right now. If you were a child growing up in the UK in the 80s or 90s and your surname was either Simmons, uh, Simpson, Simpkins or Sims, you were known by everyone as Simo. Simo, Simo. So henceforth, uh, on Talking Joe, you will be known as Simo. Is that okay? Ooh, it doesn't ooh, matter. I don't know about that one. Okay. It doesn't matter because that's how it is. <laughs> all, right, all right. Sorry, well, I had your to. Show. My own, you do. You do what you want. My only opportunity to go rock on your ass. So uh, that that was it. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> perfect. Very good. Right. So we got uh, Simu. Chris. Talk about Roblox. Simu. Talk about Roblox from uh from the movie with President Zartan. Yeah. 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 That's it. That's that guy. It. Okay, cool. So, first of all, we're going to start off with the beverage for the show. Beverage for the show. Do, 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 the beverage for the show. Do, 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 do. Now I am going to go do, do, and drink my beverage for the show. Oh. Insert sound clip here. Yeah, perfect. So, I'm going to kick off this week. I have bought for the show a Miracle Peanut Punch flavoured milk drink. <laughs> Uh, this is a. What's the miracle about it that they actually made oh, that, the product in the first place? Yeah, that that is the brand. It just says source of protein, and it's got some peanuts on it. Homogenized UHT processed. Ugh. So I'm going to open. Basically, it's one of those ones cartons with a straw, but I've lost the straw, so I'm going to now have to. It says shake well, so I'm shaking it well. I've got a pair of scissors here. I'm going to cut a little. Ah, uh, that's always key there. Cutting it without spilling it. Cut it pour it into my batman travel mug (laughs) and let's have a let's have a go on this let's have a go yeah peanutty (laughs) and milky i can taste it already in my own mouth like that like that peanut punch miracle what about you fine boys uh did you manage to get any beverages for the show after you chris or simo (laughs) (laughs) i am actually having a uh a kombucha right now some very fancy I know, I know nothing about that. My wife loves com- kombucha, and I just, I just have never been able to take to it. This is actually my wife's as well. But we get a, we get it from a local person at the uh, farmers market. Nice, and theirs is really tasty. And uh, my wife Aiden told me about how when she had tried it before, uh, she had it from a friend who like made it in his bedroom. <laughs> 
sweet. And so she was like, yeah, for years I thought kombucha just tasted like socks. <laughs> okay, okay, hold up, this hold up, hold good. up, hold up. What is kombucha? I, I am clearly uh, ignorant of this product. It's like a it's like a fermented yeah fermented tea isn't it beverage yeah yeah it's it's not alcoholic okay but it don't tastes make it alcoholic a, for me like it's got this really kind of intense kind of yeah like socks taste to it it's it's weird but again it's not for that kombucha just I've never been able to grasp it like you know um my, my taste buds have never been able to kind of succumb to it well, um, what i'm drinking is, is quite good uh it is i believe it's like berry lavender i think it's it's nice it's, it tastes delicious Wild. uh we had one last week that was very kind of uh vegetable-ish and peppery yeah but this one is is like drinking a, a shrub if you've ever had one of those <laughs> was no. it was it the vegetable and pepper flavor that you're talking about from last time no 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 no, no. this one's this one's good this one's good <laughs> awesome i i on the other hand am rocking a this is gonna this is also gonna sound really pretentious like i've added things to it but i haven't this is just how it comes uh it's an arizona product and it is a Arizona green tea with ginseng and honey, but that's obviously the you buy it like that. Like, I know people instantly are thinking I've added the ginseng and honey because I'm that kind of person, but no. Yeah, you're a d- basically. Yeah, that's I'm the a kind of thing you do. Pretentious a hole, but no. Yeah. I, that, that's just how it comes, and it's very smooth and lovely. Have you ever had that before, Chris? Uh, I have. It's good stuff. It is, isn't I'm it? I'm not. I'm not a big tea drinker. Yeah. Only when I'm sick. I'm a, I'm a coffee guy through uh, and through. I mean, that's that's America in the UK in in a nutshell, though, isn't it? It's like the US is a massive coffee consumer, and I would say the UK obviously is a you know huge tea drinking nation. Yeah. I have heard that. <laughs> so yeah. no, no one ever mentions it on any yeah. media, do they? It's weird. Fact. It's there. It's there. Mr. Mr. Simo, you better uh, introduce, I've given you an introduction, but uh, let's talk us just very briefly through your love of G.I. Joe, which is obviously why you're here to discuss some G.I. Joe comics uh, with us. So just... I actually forget that we do that. Yeah, exactly. We've got too many segments, man. Talking about G.I. Joe comics is just one of them, but... um, (laughs) Let's 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 hear it. Why why, why GI Joe? Why the fandom? Unlike a lot of people, I feel like I didn't get like hardcore into GI Joe until I was an adult. Nice. Like I remember watching it. I had a couple of the toys. I never really read the comics as a kid. But when I was you know working at the comic book store in my early twenties, I got into the comics because they started doing those big like uh, complete collection paperbacks. Yeah. And I always had like I had fond memories of the franchise, just not like specific memories. Yeah. Until I was like doing that and at the same time I got like the entire series and I would watch the show like while I worked. <laughs> and in fact my um my Twitter icon on the bad website Twitter uh, since 2008 has been a uh, a a screenshot of Destro that yeah. I took from an episode when I was working at the comic book store. That has been my Twitter icon and my icon on almost everything except Skype for <laughs> 11 years. Awesome. Well, up- update your Skype, man. That's all I'm saying. I have, uh, <laughs> I have seasonal variants of it uh, that were made by a friend of mine, uh, Matthew Allen Smith, Team Smithy on Twitter. He, he drew a Santa hat and beard Brilliant. for, for winter. He drew uh, Destro as a Dracula for Halloween <laughs> <laughs> and I put weird, big anime eyes on him for Valentine's Day. That's amazing. But other, other than that, I've only ever changed it once. I used um, Royalton from the Speed Racer movie for about a day when everyone that I <laughs> changed their icons to characters from uh, Speed Racer. Uh, but yeah, like I 
was surprised because in my life I've gone back to a lot of shows and comics that I liked when I was a kid because I have been mm. a pop culture writer and writing in comics and comics criticism and comics reviews and, and humor along those lines for years. But uh, a lot of times I go back to stuff and it's not as good as I remember it, which I think is a common experience. In a lot of ways, G.I. Joe is better. Mm. Like I remember watching the cartoon more than anything else as a kid, but going back and watching it as an adult, that show rules. <laughs> that show is like, <laughs> it's super smart. It's genuinely funny in a lot of places. It's cleverly done. Um, yeah. I always talk about Cobra's Candidate, yeah. which is a, a really, really great episode that you'd think is going to go one way and have the very simple yeah. uh, story for kids, which is that, oh, there's a politician and he's very anti-crime and anti-Cobra and, and Cobra's coming after him. And then the bit is that it turns out that, that is a, that's a trick. Yeah. Like the, the law and order candidate is secretly in bed with the terrorist organization. You look like something the cat declined to And of course, you know, everyone has always talked about there's no place like Springfield. And I was going back and doing this big G.I. Joe rewatch at the same time as I was going back and watching The Prisoner. Yeah. Which is like the Rosetta Stone for comics in the (laughs) 80s. So true. For me, it was Worlds Without End. That was like the sunbow defining kind of little two-parter that was just, I just thought was amazing. Then it's true. Somehow we did a Rip Van Winkle. And while we were asleep, Action Force were defeated by Cobra. Oh yeah, that thing's awesome. Like that's that's the that's the parallel universe one, right? Yeah, the, when that yeah, yeah when it's the, <laughs> that machine that turned like the antimatter machine that kind of turns things into like tissue paper, and uh, the Dreadnought stealing it from that installation, and then the Joes tracking them down, and then setting it off on that bridge. But then it turns out to be, you know, it sends them back into this parallel dimension. It's so. When you read it out like that, it sounds ridiculous. But the actual, the actual episode is so well done and just just amazing. So yeah, that was that one for me is like up there as I think one of the best kind of uh, stories that the Joe like universe has had. Yeah, the only the only thing that I don't like about the show is that there's not a good proper Christmas episode. Like there is a Christmas episode, but it's not great. That one, but I yeah. think they make up for that. By having the uh, the Winter Solstice episode, yeah, yeah, which is where you find out that Destro has a Cthulhu in his basement. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. oh, I actually thought it's funny that you mentioned the Christmas episode because that's the one screenshot everyone uses in the Joe fandom when it's Christmas. It's that one of uh, Cobra Commander with uh, like Merry Christmas behind him on like the GI Joe headquarters, and it's like mm-hmm. everybody uses that. It's like I, I must see it like fifty times on my timeline around Christmas time. It's like yeah, the GI Joe needs another the christmas show doesn't it renegades did one but i don't think anyone ever ever uses that <laughs> yeah that's that's unfortunate because that is. was such a good show it's an amazing show but like the the show i think really holds up especially when you compare it to like i've since gone back like i'm also a really big fan of jim yes uh, and the holograms Same. i i've watched a little bit of transformers chad's more of a transformers guy than yeah. i am by far but if you go back and you compare gi joe to like he-man yeah he-man's oh, really stupid oh. he-man is bad how many reuses for do they use as well of like background scenes and animation like loops and stuff like that i mean there's so many like each episode is probably made up of like maybe two minutes of original footage yeah yeah and and i feel like gi joe is made you know weirdly enough the cartoon i feel like is made by people who care about a little more than just selling toys yeah yeah. even though that's what they're there to do and it's very evident that that's what they're there to do totally so i got back into the show at first and that's when i read the comics 
And, you know, I've since read... I'm not current because I haven't read the uh, the current series in a while. I, I, I kind of wait for 20 or 30 issues to build up. So I think I'm <laughs> up around 200 and I think 256 is out now. I definitely read the story where the new Snake Eyes showed up, which yes. was hilarious. Yeah. But you know, I would put the classic, you know, the, the stuff we're talking about now, like the Larry Hama stuff, I would put that up against any of the long runs that Marvel had in the 80s. Totally, like, yeah. it's it's not like as groundbreaking as X-Men was, it's not as good as Walt Simonson on Thor was, but like it's so consistent and so enjoyable. And again, so much better than it had to be. Yeah. And when I found out, I'm almost positive Chad mentioned this to you guys, but there was that thing that went out a while back. That was a document from Marvel in the eighties. It was like a, a shooter document. Yes. And it had like the, the sales figures, like what are the most important comics for Marvel in terms of like subscriptions and sales and GI Joe was number one and amazing Spider-Man was number two. Amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. Holy crap. Yeah. yeah I, I managed to get, I got some figures from um, John Jackson Miller. I think it is who runs the Comicron uh, site about uh, figures and, and data for comic book sales. And uh, he, he sent me a snapshot of sales figures and, you know, around 85, 86, it was it was Marvel's top, like you mentioned, it was Marvel's top selling book. I think X Men was potentially selling more, but in terms of importance, GI Joe was the was their number one number one brand. Yeah, and it's it looking at that comic that makes so much sense because that is a that is a comic. You know, back in the uh, the sixties, there was the thing about how if you were making comics, you had two years with your audience. Yeah. yeah. And so companies like Gold Key and Dell, they would just like you know they would literally start series over every 12 or 24 issues and just like do three rounds of reprints in the series, which is mind boggling when you're say working at a comic book store and your job is to put back issues together. And and if you attach a a toy franchise to it as well, you've got even less, less time really. Yeah. But GI Joe really is a comic where you could have started reading that book at 10 at you know at nine or ten because you liked the cartoon and you liked those characters and you wanted to you know see what your favorite toys were doing and if you were like 14 15 16 like that's still a good comic yeah big time like it would have hooked you in because you know people cared about making a good story they cared about character they cared about like what they were doing like it's very obvious what larry hama cares about and what he doesn't care about totally i mean there's so many in, in fact in I think recent uh, issues that we've looked at, you know, in the last couple of weeks, there's one that stands out to me in the way that, I mean, look at the way, well, I don't want to give it away in what we're about to read, but there's a big moment where he, I suppose, sets up a big cull to, you know, obviously with some characters that I think he was, you know, happy to get rid of. But I mean, the fact that Tiger Force only got one issue and then sporadically had a few vehicles in and around though that issue, the fact that, um, you know, there was a... Uh, what was his name? Oh crap! There was one that there was one that stands out to me recently, Chief. I can't remember which one it was, but there's one character that hardly, you know, that you get. There's like one little bit that they're kind of in and in, and then you never see right. them again. In actual fact, it was one that Larry didn't even write when Crystal Ball shows up in that special mission. Oh yes, and, yeah, that was Herb Trimpe wrote yeah, that. Yeah, and it's like it's, it's almost as if Larry said, "Well, I'm not going to bother with this one because you get someone else <laughs> to write this one." <laughs> So but he was very good. He was obviously under a lot of pressure from Hasbro to include all these toys in the comic, but he was very good, like you mentioned, at giving them a little bit of airtime and then just moving on. Done. Yeah. I've done my piece with that. But he, you know, he even and made working in things like Snake Eyes costume, which we talked about with Chad. Yeah. You know, working that in to explain why he's why there's a new figure out with a new 
you know, costume and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, yeah. crazy. Uh, I have a question for you, because obviously I haven't heard it. I don't think the episode is out by the time we're listening to this. No, Did Chad talk tomorrow, about that yeah. comic where Snake Eyes turns off the ninja and he and he's just a commando now? Uh, no, he, we, we, we with Chad, we discussed issues 93 to 96. Okay. So, so kind of the like, prologue to and the Snake Eyes trilogy. This is much, much later. It's like from the the Devil's Due stuff. Oh, right. Wow. Oh, okay. right. It goes to IDW. There's like a comic where Snake Eyes has some bad ninja experiences. So then he, he turns off the ninja. Like oh, he, goes, wow. he goes into his brain and stops being a ninja. Do you know what? I vaguely remember that because there was like, I remember like a splash page of him wearing his commando uniform again, like with the... With the um, the kind of archer turtleneck, but you know, like the kind of yes, ribbed exactly, sweater, holding the Uzi, and he's got the old school commando mask on. I yep. vaguely remember that. Oh my god, I need to read that again. Well, no, don't hold up, hold up there, Chris, because um, if this podcast goes long enough, we will get to that eventually. <laughs> we'll get there soon. You'll, you'll have one of us back. You would both come on yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah delightful yeah, yeah. little um, bit of comics. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah, the, the way that the story interweaves in this book, and again, that's something that you really got in particularly Marvel books in the 80s, was they would give people these long runs. Everybody who was on a Marvel book was on it for at least, a, like if you had a 12-issue run, that was a short run on a book. Yeah, And so you get stuff like Claremont on X-Men for 17 years, <laughs> weaving these stories back yeah, and forth. Yeah. You know, Simonson on Thor for... Uh, five years six years and yeah. like every couple pages the scene shifts and there's all these interweaving stories and you get that with gi joe in a really interesting yeah. way because it has such a huge cast yeah I-, I totally agree with that yeah and people forget that larry was not just a writer he had actually held you know writer penciler inker editor colorist you know, he he had literally done it all in his career when it got to that point of him writing G.I. Joe. So he, it wasn't just, oh, let's get Larry on just to write the book. You know, he he took control of that thing, I didn't he, from the ground up, really. Yeah, yeah he did He did the, the roughs for 21. Yeah. yeah. He's, done a, he's done that for a few issues, impressive. hasn't he? He's done a couple he of interiors where as he... Well, yeah. Well, also, he'll do like that for the artists, won't he? Like, he'll he'll almost draw out some of the panels and then be like you know make this do do what you do with this kind of thing yeah. to give well, I, I, I was under the impression he still does roughs for the covers yeah because i think I idw so. sell like a variant of larry pencils for each issue yeah but i could be wrong no but. occasionally that, that uh, well re- in recent years yes that has been happening i haven't seen many larry hammer variants in the last maybe year or so but yeah that um, there definitely has been doing that yeah okay yeah, well so you, you get that sophisticated storytelling style and then you know you get stories that are themselves very sophisticated yeah, like yeah. and it's not just larry either like we talked about the, you know you t- mentioned special missions earlier and there's that that issue of special missions with the nazi war criminal <laughs> that is like yeah. very intense yeah, for yeah. A book that is essentially for 12 year olds yeah there's yeah. oh there's huge adult themes running through it and like really intense language and like deep like really i don't know just kind of very high level vocabulary and things that you're just not going to understand at that age unless you do some research on it uh yeah it's it's, it's crazy yeah, yeah stuff you those... probably weren't getting in the avengers at that time i don't think <laughs> it's one of those comics that that absolutely refuses to talk down to its audience yes. and i really really appreciate that yeah yeah, yeah. as someone who really you know see, sees the value in comics for all ages that aren't just like you know a code word for comics for kids but are yeah. like literally comics for all ages audiences yeah like gi joe is that book it's yeah. it's as rewarding to read in my 30s as it would have been as it was in my 20s and as it would have been in my teens yeah you know 
totally. Yeah. Which um, I think is going to come back in what we're going to talk about now, because yeah. number 100 is, I think, my single favorite issue wow. of G.I. Joe. I don't think it's the well, best one. I think we all know what the best one is. Yeah. But, well, well, you well, say that. You say but, that. Um, anyway, before we do get onto those, uh, let's, we'll, we'll, we'll take care of a few things. Um, we do, unfortunately, uh, have to go inside Chief's mind. But before we do that, um, Chris, what have you been? This is Chris M because obviously you're Simo over there. Uh, Chris, what have you been up to this week? Anything special? I mean, there's kind of been like a sporadically random large amount of news coming out from GI Joe recently. And again, I, I'll, I won't go into detail here, but obviously there's this this new kind of GI Joe game uh, that's kind of appeared in Thailand that is available only in Thailand, I believe, at the moment. Uh, but you can obviously yoink it and, and play it using the the file that's available online. Um, but that is like a one of those kind of like command and conquer style kind of mobile games and, oh, wicked. and, and it's got like a very animated vibe so there's a lot of um, kind of over exaggerated characterization of some of the vehicles and, and characters but it's, it kind of looks really fun uh, my, my one of my co-presenters Justin Bell has been playing it and he thinks it's really fun and yeah we don't know when we're going to see that worldwide release but again that popped up recently so that was a news burst then there was the Mattel getting the Top Gun license, which was a cool little news burst, which I had to, which we kind of jumped on as well. And there's just been kind of like this sporadic random things that are just popping up every now and again that we feel like we have to jump on and talk about. And um, other than that, just, I suppose, working as well in and in around all that stuff. And I got a very lovely email via yourself, uh, Chief from your auntie yeah my auntie in australia who listens to the show and i will categorize that in that she listens to the first 10 15 minutes and the last five to ten minutes she has no interest <laughs> in comics or gi joe so she listens to the preamble and the closing well i was very appreciative of her comments about my exercise induced migraine thing which has been a i think like probably since i've since with kind of a teenager kind of mid-teens to uh to today um, and that is that I get this really weird, horrible, like eye thing where it looks like I'm. They call it an aura. Um, an aura. Uh, you like you're looking through a imperfection in glass. I've, dis- I've described this already. Then that passes, and this horrible migraine builds, and it comes about from doing like from overworking myself, like uh, exercise wise. So yeah, it just it's just a real pain in the ass, and it happens. When it happens, it takes out about three to four hours of my of my day sometimes more as it happened the other day when i was asleep till about five in the evening or tried to sleep it off anyway she had some like words of advice um she said as soon as you start to see the dots and stars take two panadol put a damp cool cloth over your eyes lie down and keep very still for 20 minutes chemically it stops neurons from firing further or some other such stuff but it works every time light is a trigger for me so basically i have I, I do have to say i have tried a similar thing in the past that didn't work but i think i'm going to i'm going to give I'm, I'm going to give it a run next time yep. it happens cool. and i'll let i'll let her know if it has any you know uh, if it if it helps or not so thank you auntie jenny boom big time i i'll just run through what i've been up to very briefly i went to and what, basically listeners out there you are hearing this this is the past because we are efficient and we're actually one week ahead of schedule recording. Oh, yeah. So everything that we're mentioning uh, is actually a week old. But I went to London Film uh, and Comic Con, a comic convention at the weekend, uh, picked up some commissions, a couple of pieces by Transformers artist Jack Lawrence. I uh, got a Ghost Rider riding a mobility scooter <laughs> sketch by Phil Winslade. That's what it is. Um, yeah, I got um, had a chat with Mark Russell, who is the DC writer on the short-lived Prez 
and Snagglepuss, uh, Flintstones, and Wonder Twins. I think Simo, you're you're quite high on Wonder Twins. I've not. Oh yeah, I've all not of, tried all it myself. This stuff has been incredible. I loved Prez. Flintstones is maybe the most unexpected, brilliant comic I've ever read in my <laughs> yeah, life. Yeah, I mean, I haven't. I read issue one and then was like, right, I'm in, so I'll get the trade, and never got around to it. So that is definitely off the back of this episode. I'm going literally to order that trade. But uh, he had no. Q, they had no books on his table. It was literally just a name plaque behind him. And he just sat there, kind of just on his phone. So I went up, I had like a 15, 20 minute chat with him, and a you know, real nice guy. And then I topped off the day by going over and having a chat with the million dollar man, Mr. Ted DiBiase himself. Nice. Um, which was really cool. Um, I have a, a terrible story about meeting the million dollar man. Oh, no. A terrible as in he comes off in a bad light. No, right? no, no, no. He's, oh, good, he's good. great in the story. I come off like a real idiot. Well, that's tough. <laughs> but man, you can't. Well, you got to tell it now. I was in an airport. I was in PDX, the airport in Portland. And I dropped. I was drinking like a bottle of, of tea and I dropped it. And so I'm sitting on these little benches and I kind of like reach back and I'm stretching and I can't reach it. And I'm sitting there like I'm flying. So I'm literally like in Zubaz and a t-shirt and I'm like, oh, I got to get up and get this. And I say that out loud to my wife. And then I look down and a hand, it's like a movie, a hand comes into view with a WWE Hall of Fame ring on it. (laughs) And picks up the bottle and hands it to me. Oh, that is amazing. Oh, you should have kissed the ring, man. Well, I don't remember doing this, but apparently I stood up and said, Sir, it's an honor. Did you salute him as you did uh, it as according well? According to my wife, yeah. <laughs> that is no, that's brilliant. Good. I like that. That is brilliant. Like that. Yeah, um, just a yeah. real dork over here. And then... Um, just before getting home, I popped into the comic book store, new comic book day. And again, these are all a week old for all the listeners, but they're new today. I picked up Batman Who Laughs number seven, which finishes off the miniseries. So I'll need to go back and reread that. I picked up issue two of the, uh, what's the Schneider Capullo book? Last Night on Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, number two of that. I picked up Death's Head number one. Yeah. From Marvel, which I read on the train home. Uh, Teeny Howard and uh, Kaizama. Really liked the book. Love Death's Head. But god damn it, Wiccan and Hulkling Sharp, and I hate those guys. <laughs> um, so that tempered my enthusiasm for the issue. But it was good. I'm going to get the next issue. Kai Zamazar is unreal. Yeah, yeah, she she is great. Um, so and I picked up a few other bits, but um, to read after this, uh, and that is all the good stuff. So unfortunately, that does mean we've got to go inside Chief's mind. Ah! So what is grinding my gears, me off, annoying me this week? It is people that's it stop there just stop there it's people who are driving a car or a vehicle of some kind and i'm a pedestrian i'm at the pedestrian crossing the traffic lights they're not looking and they carry on driving even though the lights have gone red and then they stop right in the middle of the crossing they can't go forward because it's a bit of a traffic jam there's a car right in front of them they can't go back because there's a car behind them so now they're just literally stuck blocking the pedestrian crossing because they've not been paying attention and so uh, that happened to me literally twice today, once on the way to work, once on the way home. And what I like to do is I like to walk across the road, tutting and shaking my head whilst looking at them, maybe mouth something like, you f- clown, or something like that. I'm not, an, I'm not an aggressive, angry person, but I like to, you know, I'm just playing a bit of mind games. Mouth not according to, to the amount of Inside Chief minds we've done. Maybe it sounds I'll, like fl- maybe very I'll flip person. them off. Maybe if I'm feeling a little bit fruity, I'll take my phone out and pretend to take a photo of them or something like that. <laughs> And um, just to get a reaction from him. But I mean, yeah, just and this guy was on his phone at the time while he's driving, not paying attention, which made it even worse. 
He probably so, went on his podcast to uh, complain about <laughs> people who have a real go at me when I've accidentally gone over the pedestrian yeah. crossing. Just pay a bit more attention, man. Just, you know what I mean? It's just yeah. annoying me. I did actually have a separate what's inside my mind this week that I was going to come out with, but this happened to me uh, literally as I was coming home uh, this morning. So the one I had saved up will be used next week. But yeah. Any- anyway, anyway. Um, right, we're going to dive into some comics. But wait a minute, I hear something. I hear something. It's a G.I. Joe pop quiz, pop quiz. It's a G.I. Joe pop quiz, pop quiz. Question one. We haven't had one of these for a while. This I is know. for Simo. This is a special G.I. Joe pop quiz for Simo. Ooh, all right. You're having a leisurely Sunday walk. You're walking along with your good lady. You stop. A pop-up ice cream vendor. Wait a minute. I don't remember this being here. You decide you're going to get an ice cream. There's three people serving on this ice cream stand. Who do you decide to go to to get your ice cream? Do you choose an ice cream from Zorana? I knew you were going to say Zorana. An ice cream from Bazooka. Or do you choose the ice cream to be made by Snowjob? Hmm. I mean... That's a toughie. Yeah. I, I, is there a right answer? Or is this just a... Well, no? yes, there is. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I'll decide after you answer. I think Zorana's going to shortchange you with the, with the cone, isn't she, to be honest? She'll probably also poison it. Yeah. So, I, I mean, Zorana does... But she's open to bribe. She has history with sweets, at least. So if it's like <laughs> a, a chocolate donut-shaped yeah. or flavoured Or it'll be uh, a grape ice, grape ice lolly. That's what it'll be. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'll, I'll go with Zorana. That is where my, that's where my head's at today. Nice. Uh, what, what do you say, Chris? Is that the right answer? I would have gone with Bazooka because I think he's going to give me one of them screwball things with the little bubble gum in the bottom of it. And looking at his later <laughs> iteration in IDW, he's a fat. <laughs> so yeah. he likes. So he's good with ice cream. cream. Yeah. 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 Uh, Although I'd say... probably go to I'd, I'd go to the dairy free one just next to it. Yeah. You, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because you're an awkward. <laughs> anyway, ding ding ding. Right answer. We're going to go Zorana. Um, anyway, it is now time for uh, some comic wait, wait, talk. Wait, why is it Zorana, Whoa. though? Why is it Zorana? I don't know, just because you're the guest and ding, 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 oh. you're right. I don't want to, you know, uh, yeah, we don't want to get up on a bad foot. don't want to ruffle any feathers <laughs> here, yeah. No, I think Zorana, I go Zorana as well, because she's open to bribes. I slip her a little something under the counter, cash Whoa. I'm talking about. Oh, um, right, okay, sure. And, you know, she makes it a big one for me. You know that like in an ice cream shop you could just ask for a larger ice cream and give them money and they will give you a larger ice cream. We're from the UK, that doesn't happen. It's all about bribes and under the counter kind of back backdoor dealings. Buddy in America you <laughs> I know, get the you largest can. ice cream you want. <laughs> Here's your bucket o ice cream. Yeah. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Cool, cool. Uh, we actually now are going to talk comics because uh, it's time for Comic Talk. Comic Talk, oh, Comic Talk. Larry Hammer writes them, Chief and Chris discuss them, whoa. Comic Talk, oh, Comic Talk. Larry Hammer writes them, Chief and Chris discuss them, whoa. Right, this week we are going to be discussing Real American Hero issues 97 to 100. This is kind of ish an arc. I know it kind of spills over the Millville stuff, spills over, but it's enough of a enough of a four-issue kind of arc for us to, to discuss, I think, as one piece. There are two kind of storylines here amongst these issues. One is the clutch rock and roll brainwashing uh, and obviously the second is Cobra's invasion of uh, Millville and the return, obviously, of Cobra Commander. Let's have a spoiler quick alert. look. Yeah, spoiler alert. That's tough if you haven't read those. We told people to do their homework and read these issues. At least I think we did. Let's have a quick look at the covers. Uh, issue 97 I've got here in front of me is an Andy Kubert cover. Beauty. I guess before he was on the X-Men book. And this is rock and roll, smoking barrels. There's uh, 
there's a Mountie in the background and some other dude in the foreground. Is that another Mountie? I like this cover. You know, Has he been good. crawling through barbed wire again? Rock and roll. He's yeah. Every element of clothing is ripped. Yeah. Yeah. But he's debuting his new outfit here, I guess. Yeah. We haven't seen this before, I don't think. Not that I can recall. I could no. be wrong, though. But yeah, I love this version of rock and roll. It's amazing. It's almost like this is my version of rock and roll because I think I missed the first one okay. when I was a kid. So right. yeah, this was this was my rock and roll. Uh, issue 98 cover. This is by the excellent Lee Weeks. But we thought you were dead. And there's a big leg in the foreground and a load of villainous bad guys uh, down below. Like this cover? It's also pretty cool as well, yeah. Issue 99 is... Uh, this is called The Calm Before the Storm. Uh, two Joes have been brainwashed by Cobra, and they're about to enter the pit. And this is Lady J. What vehicle is she on there? Diagnostic. Rolling Tell Thunder. Me, uh, Rolling Thunder. And is that sci-fi on one of the guns? Correct. New, new version sci-fi, and then Flint as well. well. Actually, that's just the original sci-fi. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. The new version of sci-fi, version 2, was a completely different look, and that was in the okay. 91, I think. But yeah. All right, okay. I cede to your expertise. Uh, and in issue 100, Seeds of Empire. And I'm back! And there he is, uh, the big man, CC. With a, I, loved, I tell you what I love about this, when he's wearing a, like a sword in a scabbard. Yeah, proper ceremonial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that look. Great cover. Great cover. This is, uh, this is Larry Harmer, is scripting, obviously, all of these. You've got Mark Bright is penciling... 100 and i think he's also doing 98 herb trimpe pencils 99 and uh jeff isherwood is actually the artist on 97 so you got a bit of a mixed bag here but um yeah good stuff where, where should we begin i don't know at the beginning at the beginning at the be- all right let's you know like we say i think we're just going to pick and choose key bits from from this run that first splash page that when as you go into that joe joe comic is epic i mean it is so much text but it's all like written in such a way that it's just like part of the artwork it's just it's just amazing i love it oh the one where uh, clutch and chuckles pinned down uh, huddled behind a car yeah it gives this you know it's this thing where which chad was surprised about that he hadn't he hadn't picked up on is that pretty much every page one of any larry harmer gi joe comic is always a splash page and you know that was something that chad hadn't hadn't really considered or noticed but yeah another great single splash page here just exposition of telling us gi joe advisors what was happening here they're advising uh their friends north of the border and they've come across a an enclave of cobras and it turns out they're actually shipping pterodrome parts interesting yeah yeah, and then this is where you see the the rock and roll with his new his new double. What are they? I don't know what they are. Sort of, sort of you know. I watched Predator the other day, actually off the back of one of the episodes we talked about, and uh, it's kind of like they're not really mini chain guns, are they? They're, well, they kind well, of are. They are. They just there's just more of them. Yeah. <laughs> this this gun that rock and roll has brought to Canada <laughs> is bonkers it is bonkers <laughs> like full on <laughs> ridiculous it's huge and he's got yeah. two of them yeah and who feeds that ammo belt where does that come from he's got a backpack thankfully okay. my favorite bit of his outfit is i'm looking at one here a few pages in his hat he's got a, a, an ammo belt round it trims his hat yeah amazing <laughs> like he's never running out of ammo basically that's what he wants to make sure but I love how overkill he is as well. Like it's just, it's just like okay, well, let's take, let's hold these guys down. <laughs> Done. <laughs> is everyone dead yet? Pretty much. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's crazy. He loves, it. he loves it. And now you're thinking, holy jeepers, when this guy gets brainwashed back to the pit, there's going to be chi rubble. But, um, <laughs> I don't think anyone thought that, by the way. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that, that's kind of just that bit at the beginning there. I guess that's there because they find out that these pterodrome parts are actually originating from Denver and not from mm. Cobra Island. So then you're thinking, oh, what's going on in Denver? Yeah. They, well, they, 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 this is where they start realizing that Cobra have, you know, got like a, almost like a bigger foothold on the United States than they thought. You know? Yeah, and then that other thing happens where, which happened on, I think it was the Frusian Land episode or one of them in the sixties or seventies, where or was it a special mission? But I can't remember. Um, but where one of these pterodromes, it comes out from under the under ice. The ice, yeah. The, I mean, how is that constructed under the ice? To kind of like it's pre-built. And it's just waiting under the ice to burst up. That is some that is some engineering feat to you know to d- get that happening. But can I also get our attention to the moment that Storm Shadow, Stalker, and Wade turn up in an alleyway? And <laughs> you've got um, I just I just want us to look at Wade's fashion sense at the moment. He seems to be wearing some sort of kind of boob <laughs> tube, kind of sleeveless boob tube. Yeah, with I just shades. Think it's amazing. So it's showing off that midriff, like real sexy yeah. midriff. And then they, they just lay down some... Some punks want to hustle snake eyes for some money, don't they? Yes. And he just lay, lays the hurt on them. I really, really love the way this fight scene is staged, because it's... <laughs> the snake eyes are so sad. This is sad snake eyes. <laughs> uh, Scarlet's in the hospital. And first of all, these... The, the street toughs... <laughs> are uh calling him claude rains yeah. weird deep cut reference for street toast to be making in general uh but i love that i love these street toughs one's got a baseball bat one's got a chain one's holding a ghetto blaster. blaster one's holding a screwdriver or no a knife it looks like yeah, i mean I these are right i think it is a screwdriver yeah yeah, love it. These are t- proper stereotypical street toughs. Love the it. Bronx bum. That guy on his t-shirt, on his on his vest, has got Bronx bum written on it. Amazing. Yeah, or is it is it Bronx gym? I'm hoping. Oh no, it's... it is a B. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Oh, but Bronx yeah. Bim. No, you're right. No, it is a gym. I just I just yeah. automatically assume bum. Now I wish it was Bronx bum. And in that next panel where I'm <laughs> looking, where you see in, that's when you code name Bronx Sorry. bum. <laughs> yeah. Live with the Bronx bum. Anyway, on that next panel. There's some, uh, I didn't notice this before, but there's some graffiti on the wall and it says Decept Rule. So it obviously says Decepticons ah, Rule. Nice. Which I hadn't spotted before. One guy's got a neckerchief. Is that a thing? One of these. It is in the G.I. Joe universe. There are a lot of neckerchiefs in the G.I. Joe universe. Tunnel Rat, Xandar, this guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's much like, yeah, much Night like. Night Force Tunnel Rat, Tiger Force Tunnel Rat. They've all got a lot of guys like uh, a, like a good outwardly facing jock strap, don't they? Mindbender especially, but a lot of the other villains. Who does that? Yeah. If we're going to talk about Doctor Mindbender's uh, costume and how it's one of the most amazing things in all of GI Joe, like I'm, I'm, I'm here to really. discuss it. Yeah, yeah, in all of comicdom, really. Oh, it's he's so come, good. Mindbender's come up a few times. Is that have you ever seen that like one where he's incorrectly inked to have like no trousers on? Oh, I wish I have. Yeah. I'll send you the. I'll we'll put that on the Twitter feed, and I'll send it to you guys afterwards. This cracking panel where they haven't coloured his his kind of pants in, so he's basically got this thong on, and then just you know these sex fleshy legs on show. It's hilarious. Right. So yeah. Um, Co- that, Cobra that, Commander, that, aka Fred Seven, has been a right sleaze boy here, isn't he? He's got he's trotted out the, the scantily clad ladies in his car because they're obviously they're trying to sell some weapons to some dictators, and he's like, "I'm Cobra Commander. Welcome, 
welcoming you to come on board and have a good time as he uh, kind of parades these ladies. <laughs> this same page has one of my favorite lines in all of G.I. Joe, which is uh, the panel right before that, which is Cobra is no longer a terrorist organization. It is a terrorist state. Big difference. <laughs> <laughs> which again is like, like, that's not a joke for 12 year olds. No. no. No, it's yeah. <laughs> not even a joke now. <laughs> I mean, and then later on, Cobra Commander's still—he's at the party, and you can tell he's a bit half sloshed, and he's trying to come on to one of the one of the girls there. Here you are, sweetie. Anything else you need? How's about some plastic explosives? Uh huh. Gross. <laughs> she's all over it though. She's like, tee hee. She's she's game for a laugh there. I think she's terrified. Yeah, probably, <laughs> probably. Yeah, yeah, and this all kind of, you know, this is where everyone gets grouped together. So you get your Raptors, your Zartans, uh, Billy, and this is where they all kind of end up, don't they, in the landlocked freighter. Yeah. Prior to that, this is where Raptor's saying, I know where the body is uh, of Cobra Commander. Why don't we clone him? we still got that cloning technology, Mindbender. Mindbender just goes along with, yeah, let's do it, let's do it. And this is where the real, the, the kicks off big time here this is where it really gets good uh, you've got this lovely mark bright art and they've gone to somewhere in denver where the body's buried there's a lot of vipers on cue and they all they find when they dig up the grave is a jacket with a bullet hole in the back and then there he is the big man uh with all his cgs and then you get some amazing backstory here where Cobra Commander is saying uh, it was Fred 8 who followed Fred 7 to the burial site. He then took me a quick call on the secret Fred hotline. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, he's, got, Fred uh, Doctor. he's got Fred's 8 through 59 with him. Yeah, yeah. I love that in Roman <laughs> oh, numerals. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing, amazing. And then the Fred Doctor. This is, oh, it's just, this is where... Cobra Commander's come back, and obviously Larry's tweaked him a bit, so now he's a bit more of a parody of himself, I guess. And yeah. but he's he's got he's drawing that fine line between he is ruthless because you know they're saying, oh, but you know what about your son? You were going to go straight, and he's like, what am I, an idiot? You know, it was a clear a lapse of judgment. I'm all about the the tyranny and the you know ruling with the iron fist, but it's also completely laced with this kind of black humor throughout throughout yeah. his character. Yeah, I think it's really interesting because you get this really, like around 50, which, you know, we, we have not seen Cobra, the real Cobra Commander in a while. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but you get that actually really good arc of Cobra Commander rediscovering Billy and like that, those issues where he's running around with the beret and the, the mustache and the goatee. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. And like, there's genuine humanity and pathos in that. Yeah. And then when, after his betrayal, when he comes back, He's he's just like switched yeah, again. Hey, no more humanity. It didn't <laughs> yeah. work out for me. I'm I'm fully Cobra Commander, yeah. and I love that because he's like he lays it out like he's like yeah I am here to do evil things. Yeah, <laughs> which I yeah, think is brilliant. really good. It's so fun. And and you know this is the pacing is just incredible because it's just breakneck. He's just reappeared and literally you know some sixteen pages later he's got all of it. He's back on Cobra Island. He's got all of his. You know who the hierarchy of Cobra? He's got. He's even shoved Mindbender and Raptor down into the the tanker, and he's just going to off them all just like that. It's just breakneck action. I love how he kind of all those kind of uh, you know charges have already been set. It's like he's been planning this for a long period of yeah. time. Yeah, he mentions that his CGs have been been uh, doing secret operations on the island. Amazing! It's so ridiculous this plan that you know i think it's just it's crazy that larry thought how am i going to get the landlocked freighter what what way could i do it that sounds just ridiculous because he could have just shot them all 
he could have done so many more simple things here like he's got them in a tin can effectively he could blow it up he could do whatever he wants to it and instead he blows up the area around it creating a funnel for it <laughs> like a water funnel for it to kind of flow down towards the volcano and then he blows a hole in the side of the volcano which then makes the boat go into it and go over a precipice and obviously kind of crash at the bottom and then he blows up most of the volcano so that it just comes crashing down and buries it and it's like Man, there are—I mean, there are cheaper ways to do that. There are <laughs> <laughs> yeah. easier ways to do what he just did, and and, and like pro- I would say more, you know, practical ways to make sure people are dead because you yeah. just you know you're giving them an opportunity, which obviously Larry has to do in the writing here. Yeah, to steal a line from Chris, that is a classic Marvel comics bullshit. <laughs> yeah, they, there are easier and more effective ways, but are there more dramatic ways? No. Yeah. Think of a more dramatic way to kill those people. I'll, I'll give you five minutes to do that. <laughs> he's not just trapping them in the the freighter, no, and he's not no. just like, and he's not just throwing them into into a no. volcano, which no, is no. an active volcano that exists. No, he's going to blow up part of the island. It's yeah. a complicated death trap. I love it, but it's also again, one of those clever ones because it allows him as a writer the freedom to potentially bring back any of those characters he wants yeah true and i love um, like when that does happen how many people actually die yes yeah yes. They all the bad MREs. yeah yeah it's, it's quality it's like weirdly very funny and and <laughs> kind of lost lost in the shuffle of all this is we actually get to see destro for the first time his face i mean he doesn't really appear in these issues apart from a very small part where he's now going straight you know we were mentioned earlier where that arc where cobra commander decided to go straight but now destro saying he's going to give it all up for the love of his life the baroness mm-hmm. uh, and then he unmasks for the first time um, and to to the credit of the casting agents on gi joe the rise of cobra he does look exactly like christopher eccleston <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. not that christopher eccleston wishes he was uh, he ever did that movie <laughs> oh yeah don't get me started. i i can't ever bring myself to hate those movies because they're very very bad but they're also complicated and stupid in the same ways that gi joe is complicated <laughs> and yeah. stupid. Yeah. just completely different <laughs> again um, president zartan i will never fully hate a movie where i can talk about president zartan yeah that was a stroke of genius really oh my god um and the other thing that mustn't get lost in the shuffle is the fact that these scumbag jugglers show up again, and they're once again threatening to completely disband G.I. Joe uh, if one more thing goes wrong, which, of course, is kind of justification for Zorana and Cobra triggering the implants in Clutch and Rock and Roll, because if they wreak havoc in the pit, that will be the one thing that tips the fall of G.I. Joe over the edge, I guess. I'm not really sure that that was necessary, because I thought Cobra were planning to trigger their implants anyway i don't know if that juggle a bit was necessary but you know i guess it adds a bit of tension again um, very complicated <laughs> very complicated stuff going on almost yeah. overthought <laughs> almost almost yeah. uh, I'm sure, Love- i've talked about it before but i'm sure you guys have read the um the interview that larry did with uh newsarama a while back yeah. where yeah. they asked him how far ahead he was plotting on gi joe oh, yeah. and his the answer was page. Yeah, two to three pages at most <laughs> which yeah. blew my mind yeah Crazy. i've always thought that like when because he's he's done um i mean he's talked about that a lot in panels for years uh down the line and i remember the first time i heard that was at rollout roll call like in god it was a number of years ago now 
And he was he there was, 2012 he was there i think 2012 it would have been yeah and i remember him saying that and just kind of like going feeling a little bit disappointed in a weird way kind of thinking oh i thought you'd have like this huge like you know you'd go into his his room like his office and it would <laughs> and just he's got be a like, wall chart a wall chart there'd be a map on it with all the characters with like crosses through them if they're dead like all connected with like string and stuff like yeah. it was in the movie seven or something and no it was uh it was just no i just you know i just make it up as i go along effectively <laughs> timo have you tried that technique of two to three pages ahead oh that's the way i write uh which is uh infuriating to certain uh, writing partners of mine who remain unnamed but yeah like i i always like i am a a very much a eh, we'll figure it out when we get there sort of writer (laughs) uh, which does not always work in my favor i call it the bridge layer technique we'll cross that bridge when we come to it yeah (laughs) i I love that as an idea because you really you know presumably larry hama never knew when hasbro was going to call and be like hey we need to put this guy in there we need to write in the the rattler now yeah i never thought about it or when the book is going to get cancelled you know either of those things yeah i never thought of that yeah yeah because that'd be that's you know i can imagine most comic writers who and we were talking about mark russell and and prez which got cancelled six issues into a 12 issue run there can't Mm. be many things as a writer more depressing or upsetting than having Mm. planned out big arcs or finishing or end points to then have that not come to fruition that must be i can tell you from experience it sucks okay Okay. (laughs) yeah that's not nice so the two to three page ahead means that you're potentially not going to be in that position so yeah maybe and then uh i'm I'm looking at a page i'm going to talk about right now this is on issue 99 cobra commander to page seven cobra commander has now landed in brocca beach this page is just absolute classic that first panel there's the the marching band Cobra Commander's got a big stride on. Look at that that gate he's got. There's kids throwing rose petals on his path. The next panel has got him holding a baby. And in the background, (laughs) there's a kid who looks about seven or eight. And he's got a Cobra Commander hood on. Amazing. (laughs) I took took note of the baby. Because that means... That's not like a mother handing her child. That's like a Crimson Guardsman who has yeah. acquired a child for him to yeah. hold. <laughs> Fact. And then the next panel, amazing. That kid with the f***ing <laughs> brown Cobra Commander mask. That Brilliant. is amazing. And then the next panel, he's gone to see Buzzer, the Dreadnoughts, and his first line is, not enough mould on the stale bread. The cells are nowhere near dark enough. Brilliant. Yeah. Get more mould, man. And this is where we see kind of Zorana save her really because she's she can control road pig and he's a threat so yeah i guess this is how the dreadnoughts because larry always always liked the dreadnoughts and um you know this is where they get their second chance because she tells him about the plan with the implanted gi joes um, which kind of gets them off the hook and then we get a bit of spirit and mutt who's going to see his uncle jeff that bus driver's face looks like big boss from cops yeah i was thinking i was trying to think where does that remind me of and that Uh was a great tv show Cops is in G.I. Joe continuity. Yes, it is. Really? Yeah, yeah Beachhead's, like, dad or something, isn't it? Or his, like, it, great-grandfather or something? I can't remember. It's, oh, sorry. It's, uh, yeah, he is the great-grandfather yeah. of, or, or the father of one oh, of the characters. Isn't now, I remember watching Cops as a kid. I have not seen it for 30 years. I, I love the design. I really want it to hold up, but I'm worried about watching it in case it doesn't hold up. I would avoid watching it, then. Oh, sh- Oh, That's I love my it. suggestion. I bloody love the cops. Okay. Well, I'm 50-50 now. Cops. Central organization of police specialists. Fighting crime in a future time. Protecting Empire City from Big Boss and his gang of crooks. But those designs were great. Anyway, yeah. So Mutt's gone to see his Uncle Jeff. He's tagged Spirit along 
for the ride. They've gone to Millville and Again, this is it gets a little bit kind of dark, or because they go to see Uncle Jeff and he's a bit racist, isn't he? Because you know <laughs> you didn't t- you didn't tell me your friend was an Indian. Oh, you know, this I'm prejudiced or nothing. Is I'm it problematic here or what? I don't know. This sequence has one of what I would put it up as one of the funniest pages in comics, <laughs> uh, which is when they're sitting in his uh, <laughs> sitting in his kitchen and it's like it's four like step panels. It's the oh, same it's shot. Amazing. Yeah, and it's a silent beat, and then uh, Uncle Jeff says, "Don't know why you bothered to come here. Cousins all moved to California after your aunt died. There weren't no jobs here anyway. I'm just sitting here by myself, waiting on death to catch up with me." <laughs> then there's panel. another silent panel. Of the two Joes looking at each other, <laughs> and, and then, then yeah. uh, and then Junkyard barks. In the yeah, amazing, so good. Yeah, that is amazing. good. He's gone real dark all of a sudden out of nowhere, and then that that final panel, genius. Oh. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that uh, comment is problematic, actually, Chief. I think it's that's Larry kind of doing the. He's adding that in there to say, look, this is. This is something that people say all the time. It's like I'm yeah. not prejudiced, but I don't think it's. I don't think. No, it's a I, I don't. I don't think it is. You know, and, you know, this is guy's an old timer. You know, and it was probably par for the course for, for him and his generation. You know, and it's just, it is a really good that that that, that two page sequence is really good. You know, it's and like you you got a gamut of emotions and, and thoughts throughout that whole two pages. You know, really well done. And let's not discount you know Herb Trimpe for the art on, on this as well because I mean, he's done a bang up job. I think it really helps to set the scene of Millville as yeah. uh, quote unquote economically anxious. Yes, big time. This you know city that's ripe for a Cobra Commander takeover because everyone's just depressed and yeah. miserable and a little bit racist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it does. It does set the scene. It does set the scene. You know, this is kind of hick town that's down on its luck or whatever and looking for a change. I didn't mention before, but when we when you were talking about Cobra Commander landing in Brocker Beach, he's coloured in such a way that I thought was quite poor at first and obviously it kind of improves as as the as the issue goes on but are we to believe now he's rocking his black uniform because it's almost like there's almost like a hint of grey blue but I'm I'm wondering if that's done to make it accentuate the black if that makes I any sense I wasn't even aware he ever had a black uniform yeah oh yeah this they, they is, this is the black suit well. yeah. is it it's, okay. it's blue in the way that uh that superman's hair is blue yes yeah so they've, they've done that like yeah to make because it yeah because i mean if you look at the the way he's colored in that first panel when he turns up there's a you understand why they have to do that because look at it it's just so flat and and like there's hardly any detail on the show it's really difficult to get anything to pop isn't it when, when everything's all black mm-hmm. yeah so i totally understand why it has to be that superman hair kind of black <laughs> what what do we think about these two teenagers who've kind of stumbled into the desert i think this is the precursor for the area 51 raid <laughs> <laughs> oh man if they had been naruto running this entire time <laughs> brilliant <laughs> Yeah, nice. I know. I think it's, it, it exposes a security risk that the Joes have to really think about. But I think it just goes. They spend too many pages on it for me. It's just it goes on a little bit too long. That they they get too much airtime. Well, I think that's a function of the whole two to three pages ahead thing. Because obviously, the way that Larry Hama deals with all that is he he just lays out a bunch of story hooks that he can return to later. And these kids, I feel like, were probably meant to do something else. And mm. then he remembered number 100 was coming right. up. And yeah. it, like, if I had to guess, that's what happens. Because all they do is, like, yeah. do they show up after 100 when, when they're like, we want to go home? Yeah, um, that's it. 
probably not. <laughs> like I do, I think they're interesting characters. I do like that this is a comic from God. When was this? Like eighty uh, nine, and it's two girls who are super into to Star Trek and sci fi. Yeah, and, yeah. Like, nineteen ninety, nineteen ninety. This one, April. Yeah. yeah, I like that GI Joe is a book that will go. GI Joe is a book that is maybe the best comic as far as like div- uh, diversity yes. and inclusion. Yes. Like I have told people. Think of another comic book that has two Native American characters in it that are completely different. Yeah. No, can't do and, any. <laughs> and you can't. And part of that comes from, you know, toy line mandates, right? Like when they told Christy Marks that like the original plan on Jim was for uh, Jetta to be black. And they told her that she couldn't be black because you can't have negative portrayals of black people on. Uh, she could, You couldn't be a bad guy. Oh, wow. Just for the reasons that uh, Cobra kind of sort of low-key comes off as a white supremacist organization. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. true. You also get the Joes who are, like, super diverse, which I think helps to, like, no other book can get away with having, like, the archetypical 80s white ninja. Yeah. Other than a book that was written by an Asian-American guy that has this incredible cast that also features a bunch of really good female characters. Yeah, uh, strong that, female characters. That yeah, are absolutely. also all very different. Like, you would not confuse Scarlet and Lady J and Covergirl and no. Baroness. Jinx. And yeah. 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 They all have a lot of their own personalities in a way that I really like. And I, I feel like this is just a microcosm version of that. Yeah, big time. Because these two characters who didn't matter. So why can't they be? Two teenage yeah. girls, two 13-year-old girls who end up sneaking into this. <laughs> and they just welcome Lady Jo's like, yeah, come on board, come yeah, in. Yeah, hop in. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Love We're it. not a top secret organisation or anything. Tell your parents. <laughs> Peace. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> also, the, we get to see Steamroller and, and the Mobile Command Centre in this issue, and we, we'll see him again later, and I think in a better way. But the the way they've drawn him in here, it just basically looks like Flint with a cap on. It's like they've... they've it's It's very generic how they've they've drawn him and then i I wonder if um because yeah i mean it was out in 87 and steamroller is i mean that is one ugly kind of you know that that face is full of personality isn't it that um that figure so i was really i was a little surprised when i saw this panel and was like oh my god he's so bland on this on this particular panel but it improves. Good, good. Because uh, again, you know, I, I'm as I repeat every single week, my knowledge of the toy line kind of petered out, you know, past sort of 1988, and I've got all my Joe knowledge from the comics. But um, that's why Chris M is here for his toy knowledge, uh, his editing skills, and all the other stuff that he does for the show that I can't do. But anyway, that, that was like that thing in Monty Python was what, what the Romans ever done for us, and then yeah. they just start listing off all these yeah. things that the Romans have done, and yeah. yeah. That's what you but just you... did then, but for me. All right, but apart from the sanitation, the medicine, education, wine, public order, irrigation, roads, a fresh water system, and public health, what have the Romans ever done for us? But you've not done that much, <laughs> I don't think. A uh, no. couple of really cool pages <laughs> to close out this issue 99 before we get to the big 100. Roll out the Armada in Brocca Beach because all the storefronts start opening and all these vehicles start coming out um, as they assemble the troops. Amazing. And then the last page. Literally, as uh, the big CC boards the helicopter, and then all these, the um, yeah, yeah, the Aspid, and then you know you get this front-on shot of everything coming tonight. I'll settle for one small town, Millville. Wait a minute, that's where Martin Junkyard are. I love the Mambas in that as well. Just Mambas look cool, man. Yeah, I think the debate 
that people want to have uh, or that people should be having is what comic relies more on coincidence as the engine that drives its plot <laughs> is it G.I. Joe or X-Men G.I. Joe definitely yeah there's a lot oh, of oh they just happen to be there Star Wars <laughs> is the yeah. comic it's not a comic but you know what i mean they do the same thing as almost like c3po is the <laughs> seems to be the the one character that connects everybody in the entire <laughs> in the entire star wars universe i'm a, i'm in a massive minority because I'm a, I'm a big big star wars fan and he is actually my favorite character and i don't know one other person whose favorite character is c3 i wouldn't say he's my favorite i don't dislike him in any way shape or form but i uh yeah my I don't even know who my favorite character is. I would be very curious to know if you've watched past like the first five minutes of <laughs> <laughs> of the first ever movie. Yeah, you know, because there's there's a bunch of characters in there. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I was that was me being a jerk. <laughs> no, 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 that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. I stand by the decision. Ig eighty eight. He's my favorite character. He's good. He's good. Because he's because uh, he, he gets about two rubbish. minutes screen time. Yeah, yeah. And I want I want I want to see him in action. Uh, he's an assassin droid, isn't he? Um, yeah. Right, Seeds of Empire, issue 100, the big one, and it starts with a bang, or more of a thump, yip, ow, <laughs> as Pepper Commander lays the boot into this dog. Just to underline how evil he is, right? Maybe the best page in G.I. <laughs> Joe history. And you know this is good because it comes back as a pin-up. Yeah. It, like three issues later, someone yeah. else draws this. And you can tell that he's actually, it's not just a little love tap. He's put, it's like a football penalty kick. Oh, he's going for a 60-yard field goal. He has <laughs> literally put his back into that and tried to kick this dog's face off. He's oh. trying to bend it like Beckham. Yeah, yeah. It's and as if that wasn't good enough, then the next two-page spread is just incredible. Can I just say the art, the colouring, everything about this issue is gorgeous. Like, and, and now we can see Cobra in his black uniform nice and clear. Do you know what I mean? That's how, that's how it should be done, I think. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's kind of laying down the, the law to Millville here, basically telling them... You know, he's not here. He's bringing them the blessing of Cobra domination, uh, which is quite ironic. And, um, you know, he's talking about there's going to be jobs for everyone and subsidized housing. No taxes. Um, yeah, that was interesting. I picked up on I'm that. In. No taxes. How's he going to get away with that? I'm in. Uh, well, here's the thing. It's a lie. <laughs> like when like when most people say that, that taxes are bad and you're not going to have to pay them if, if they are put in charge. It's a lie. Yeah. 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 Agreed. But I, I really love this because, again, it's like Cobra's Candidate is like weirdly sophisticated, particularly given its intended audience. Like Cobra Commander is coming into this. And this would have been like the Mill Towns, right? Would have been huge news in 89. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know if either of you guys are uh, are pro wrestling guys at all, but there's yeah, that, yeah. you know, the Dusty Rhodes Hard Times promo yeah. is also about like, you know, steel mills closing down and the auto workers are out of work. He put hard times on Dusty Rhodes and his family. You don't know what hard times are, Daddy. Hard times are when the textile workers around this country are out of work. They got four or five kids and can't pay their wages, can't buy their food. Hard times are when the auto workers are out of work and they tell them go home. And hard times are when a man has worked at a job 30 years. 30 years. They give him a watch, kick him in the butt and say, hey, a computer took your place daddy that's hard time and so you're getting this you know town where the mill shut down and everybody moved to california or died apparently <laughs> and cobra commander comes in and hey good news the jobs are coming back the factories are coming back no taxes uh it sounds really familiar to me yeah i was gonna Even say it's sounds familiar nowadays yeah there's also yeah. there's also a free cobra daycare for the kids so i don't know what that entails yeah um, but what's his what's his ultimate what's his ultimate goal then 
brainwashing. But yeah, what's the long term? What does that get him? He needs the country on his side. He needs, like, you know, and he's after power. He's after so domination. He's so he's doing it vote, slowly, yeah. but sh- slowly but surely around the entire country eventually. He does well, I, actually say, I'm as American as apple pie and motherhood. Oh, that panel where the two Vipers are carrying, like, they, they have the American flag that they put behind him as a backdrop while he gives his speech. They just kind of, like, shuffle into panel with it. Amazing. Oh, so good. I, I think a key thing that a lot of people who aren't, like, super into G.I. Joe, like the three of us, they miss about Cobra Commander is that he's a, it's a pyramid scheme. <laughs> like it's yeah it's all about power and like making money at its heart like and you get some of that in the issue where he comes back and he explains how he was able to yeah. rebuild his fortune while he wasn't around yeah and i feel like you have two kinds of people in this book right there's the people who are going to hear him talk about not paying taxes and the mills are coming back and they're just going to go along with it because th- that's that's what they vote for and there's the people who need to be brainwashed by going into the building and getting their Cobra IDs, yeah. <laughs> their Cobra driver's <laughs> licenses. And I feel like it, it's a really smart way to play it as Cobra Commander coming in and basically giving his campaign speech. Yeah, He's, he's going to make Millville great again. You know, yeah. like it's, yeah. it's, he all but says it in this book. Yeah, and yeah. He's got the charisma. Uh, yeah, it's a really smart way to play him because, you know, all of us reading know it's a lie. He yeah. just needs another Broca Beach, another place to, an, another Springfield, another place to launch his... Well, that's the other thing, isn't it? He's expanding dramatically, too. Like, he even says it in there that he built his his particular brand and company and, and, and size and everything. It was It was kind of, like, expanding and expanding. And you can't stay in one town the entire time. You have to go out and find other places, which they did with Broca, and now they're doing yeah. with Millville. So, effectively, he's getting... He's getting strategic positioned places in the United States, and he's going to be. He's going to. His plan is just to take it over. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's the Cobra Commander we've probably all wanted from issue one. You know, this. Yeah. You know, big. You know, starting small, then turning into a a global. I mean, okay, yes, Cobra is a global organization anyway, and they got Cobra Island. But this is, you know, where you first, you know, this is the grassroots building, building up from the ground, and this is the kind of you know maniacal side of Cobra Commander that you know that really <laughs> i don't want to say you know uh ticks a chord with me or whatever because i'm like that but you know it's just uh, very appealing to me as a, as a story it's just great it's just yeah 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 it's i i really love the way that this plays because it a it plays off of cobra commander coming back and wanting to be bigger yeah it also plays off the the lesson he learned from springfield yes because if, if you concentrate everything in one town then all the joes need to do is figure out what town it is and then yeah. you've got you know a problem and serpentor shows up yeah and steals all your thunder so and if, if you're a dissenter then you know the quick solution is well we're going to brainwash you anyway yeah just put them in the brainwashing machine <laughs> there's a lot going on in this issue obviously but i love that those first like 10 pages maybe like five or six pages of the takeover of millville and how easy it is yeah, they cut the phone lines and they they switched the police over. They put road blockades. They got the condor in the sky jamming the frequencies. We're jamming, jamming, and I hope you like jamming too. Like you say, it just happens really quick and it's really militaristic and it's you know it's a well-oiled machine and he's already got them in the palm of his hand. You know, by the end of sort of ten pages time. 
Yeah, and he doesn't he doesn't even need to brainwash all of them. He doesn't even need to get all of them. Yeah, he, he yeah. just needs to get most. That's the scary yeah. thing, yeah. Or enough. Enough that uh, the rest of them the will go on with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's played so comedically, and it's genuinely funny. Like, it is a genuinely really funny thing for Cobra Commander to kick a puppy and then give a speech in front of the American flag talking about apple pie and How motherhood. <laughs> but it's also, like, it's, like, like familiar and sinister because, you know, this, mm. this is not the first time these tactics have been used yeah. uh, on yeah. the public. <laughs> yeah, it's I'm very trying cool. so hard not to say anything about current times, but yes. Also, um, I've, uh, this is where we kind of go and we we see Clutch and Rock and Roll again um, back in the pit, and they haven't necessarily been switched as yet. But they're they're babysitting the two young fourteen year old girls who are not children. They're almost fourteen. They say, "I'm sorry, mm-hmm. but you're, you're too young." And also, I, I kind of wonder if that was because comics were so weird back then. Like, I kind of wonder if that's uh, Larry, uh, like kind of dunking on Chris Claremont for constantly yeah. talking about Kitty Pride being 13 and a half. Nice. <laughs> yeah, it could be. It could be. It would not surprise me at all. That is like a, that is a classic Larry move right there. Yeah. And in, in, in fact, I mean, that happens, you know, not just with Larry, but with loads of writers. I think it's a, it, yeah, it's always cool to have those little like, it's a classic hits in there. Marvel yeah. comics. Kind of like, hate it's, everyone. It's like rap beef, isn't it? It's like, <laughs> it's like, this is, this is Larry's, uh, this is, this is his freestyle right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway yes and just correct me if i'm wrong but the the ability to turn on these implants it can only be done within a certain range which is why zorana's gone out in these pythonized stuns and conquests etc so she can trigger this thing which is going to make these two go buck wild in the pit supposedly and the only one who notices is our man Dusty. Yeah, I love Dusty. Love Dusty. Dusty's great. In fact, again, this this is where it kind of... I, I love it when we start getting fringe characters in, in play. And I'm not saying Dusty's necessarily a fringe character, but he's more specialised, as is Muskrat and, you know, Wildcard and so on and so forth. And so, you know, we're getting these guys now. It's like they're being utilised because, A, Dusty is a desert specialist and he can send, he can see something and he's like, yeah, I don't trust the, the machines make mistakes. I think that's something over there. Let's go check it out. And uh, it's almost like a special mission mini in, you know, while the regular issue is going on. Yeah, that's probably a good shout. It does feel, you know, separate enough to, to be a self-contained kind of thing. And then, well, love Wildcard. He's breaking off. The, he's broken the radio. <laughs> the radio's knackered, yeah. Standard. I don't know why they just, you know, don't give him some sort of reinforced things or don't give him the radio or any levers or anything that he can actually break. But a um, bit, bit more comedy from him there. And, and then clutch once they the, the switch has been flipped and uh clutch is destroy and rock and rolls kill and these two 14 th- year olds are probably in their pants right now i would be especially yes. when you've got rock and roll holding those two hunking great gatling guns yeah like hand pistol gatling guns yeah, that, they are amazing. I bloody love those guns. They're, they're crazy good. And you mentioned previously about Steamroller in the yeah, what is it, the Mobile brilliant. Command Center. Yeah, looking awesome in this one now. Uh, he's got a, what's he got? A cap that says Mac on it, and this thing pops out the thing, ground. Actually. How is this under the ground? I know that there's a, there's a reference in one of the previous issues, isn't there, where they say that's bigger than the Sandcrawler from uh, Star Wars. Oh right, nice. It was like a cute little little kind of uh, shout because it is, and it has been described as a Sandcrawler, hasn't it? The Mobile Command Center. It's so very similar. Similar uh, aesthetic. I bloody love this thing, and we may be hearing about it later. Spoiler okay. alert. Which means we are. But I did notice as well. Now he's not. We- he's not wearing a white t-shirt under his uh, under his vest now. So at least we're back to normal 
half naked steamroller thank okay, you okay yeah there's a lot quite a lot of gi joe characters where the vestless or the t-shirtless top don't they gung-ho yeah, is gung-ho. a big fan yeah uh, but there's quite a lot of others with like the bare chest look i think it's a good look myself yeah. norga hide if i'm yeah it's yeah i might sexy. i might try might try it at work tomorrow see how it goes down <laughs> probably Do with it. my probably with my resignation Do it. Uh, but yeah good good fight scene here good fight scene mark bright always draws good explosions and stuff just this is kind of a you know chase scene they're trying to get zarana uh the mean dogs chasing them down then oh yeah F- uh, flint and lady j pop up on the silver mirage don't they and this Love is where this is where the uh, zarana gets away because she steals one of the uh, what? Who are these dudes? Are they just regular vipers? He's a Python tele viper, and the other guy was the. I don't actually. I think there were regular vipers in the. Uh, was there a? It. Was there yeah, a, two there regular vipers? There was never a designated driver for the stun. The actual the guy they've got in there, I think, is just a Python trooper. Okay. And yeah, he gets caught early on. There are two regular vipers involved, and the tele viper. Although, when I look at one of the vipers. They've given him a televiper helmet. Have you noticed that? If you look at when they oh. crash, when the Python, when the Silver Mirage shoots the stone oh, yeah, and it crashes, yeah. take a close look at the two vipers in the front. I'm pretty sure one of them has a televiper helmet on. Interesting yeah, mistake. Does. There you go. You spotted that. I didn't. I'll tell you what. Scene next scene here. I really like. It's really violent. It's the one where Mutt and Spirit attack that his tank because Mutt has literally clocked some viper on the head with the the broken bottle. Junkyard is savage in some guy's face. And then Spirit's absolutely nailed some guy <laughs> with a two-by-four. And then the poor guy in the his tank, he's been, yeah, his faceplate smashed up. And then Mutt has rammed the barrel of his rifle right into that guy's face. Those helmets aren't doing much, are they? Jeez. Good scene. Good scene. You know, good, good, you know, it's portraying the, the seriousness of the action here. I feel like they had to give that Viper some dialogue in the next panel, or else you'd be like, oh, Junkyard ripped his throat out. 100%. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Junkyard's quality. I, I mentioned on a previous pod, I don't really care for... Who's the dude with the Bobcat? Spearhead and Max. Yeah, yeah I'm not really down with Max, to be honest. Law and Order. You know, they're all right. He's like a poor man's Mutt and Junkyard, but uh, Mutt and Junkyard's where it's at for me. Are you not a Wide Scope and Lamont guy either? Who? <laughs> 2000 and... I can't remember what year, but um, there was a new era build. Wide Scope was like the new shockwave looking dude. And okay. he had a dog called Lamont. There you go. No, not a fan. Um, that don't know who they are. You're a fan, obviously. Um, I'm a fan of. I love animal companions. Okay, right. <laughs> Favourite animal companion across any. Talon. Talon? Yeah, raptors. Raptors. Okay. Uh... I was going to say across any pop culture. Hmm. That's, that's tough. And that question goes to Simo Skippy. as well. I'm a big fan of uh, Cringer slash Battle Cat. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, obviously, like I, I like Crypto. I like Ace the Bat Hound. Yeah, we do get Croc Masters crocodiles in '98 yeah. or '99. Talking think. of cod pieces, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I love Croc Master. He's amazing. I feel like anyone who thinks that GI Joe needs to be like serious military fantasy or ser- serious military stories needs to remember there's a guy with telepathic control over crocodiles <laughs> in, this, in this universe. And if you want a different take on him, I've just recently reread the IDW Cobra series. Cobra, oh, he's yeah. great in that. Amazing. And his arc in that, his like two or three issue arc in that, is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I like both versions. I'm not saying you know one is better than the other. I love this original Marvel run Crocmaster, and that IDW one is just a different take. And you know, they both occupy different places, which is cool. But yeah, Crocmaster is a. He, I think he's named his crocodiles as well, didn't he? But I can't yeah, remember like, off the top of my head. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. it's like it's female names. 
I was trying yeah. to figure out what if, if there was a connection, but nothing sparked in my mind. Oh, there definitely is. Like, no, yeah, Larry, we're gonna have. To, yeah, he's gonna have to tell us. Yeah, <laughs> he's bad. He's bad. Yeah, and then what? Oh, we get psych out as well. Sorry, I just noticed psych out comes in this one as well, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, this is where they kind of you know we find the fallout of the clutch rock and roll brainwashing. They're unconscious, and the girls kind of recap that. You know, things were getting really intense, and then they both rolled their eyes and passed out. And then this is where, like you say, Psych Out pops up, and it's and Doc you know, as well. Sorry, and yeah. Uh, Doc, yeah, big fan of Doc. And um, it was an internal conflict between their personal ethics and the Cobra programming. So that kind of neatly wrapped up that bit. Zorana gets away. Oh, Skidmark is in in this one, or Treadmark as we know him, and the Desert Fox as well. Yeah, six wheel drive. Oh yeah, there he is. He's driving Dusty around. That's where they find the captured. Or the the tied up Cobra dude and Zorana's stolen his Pythonized uniform and escaped, and then kind of the concluding bit here is Ma, uh, uh, and Spirit and Junkyard have gone round to his uncle Jeff to make sure he's okay, and then 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 bloody been brainwashed, hasn't he? And he's uh, sicking the vipers on him, yeah. And that wraps what up a, that issue. What, what a great issue. cliffhanger! What a Amazing. great cliffhanger! I was trying to find some, because I've got the single issues here. I've had them hard bound in like 25 issues at a time, custom bound. I was trying to find some letters pages from an upcoming issue that refer to issue 100 or issue 98 for the Return of Cobra Commander that we could talk about, these letters pages. But the volume I've got in my hands only goes up to issue 102, and that doesn't contain any letters. So that's a complete letdown on my part. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I'll find volume 5, because I'm in the loft recording and uh volume five is downstairs so uh, we'll do that on the next episode but um what a great what a great four issues all told and you know yeah stonking r- really good i mean if we were going to what we do on this uh show simo is we do uh, i stole this from you uh, we do every joe story ever okay because uh, I, in fact, on and if you haven't listened to Warrock at Ajax, go out and listen to it. It's one of my favourite podcasts out there. And Chris and co-host Matt Wilson. And I actually listened to issue four hundred, uh, episode four hundred and sixty this morning, where you revisit Hellboy in Hell. Um, yeah, it's good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. Listen to that's the latest episode which I listened to this morning. Go check it out. The boys do an every story ever, where they're merely the arbiters of the list, and they chisel away and proclaim the rankings of every comic book story that's ever been written and i actually stole that and i'm doing my own personal one but also alongside that on this show we do every joe story ever where we rank every joe story on the list and what we need to do is give this a yojo cola rating out of 10 (laughs) so that we can put it somewhere on the list now i know that the millville stuff does carry over but I think there's enough here of the conclusion to the clutch rock and roll and the return of Cobra Commander for us to rank it. So out of 10, what are we going to give? And we can all give it different marks. What are we going to give it? This is 97 to 100. I don't know who wants to go first. Chris, you go first. Simo. Like I said, 100 is probably my favorite issue. Just for that that six-page sequence at the start. Six, seven pages of Cobra Commander taking over a town. It's so cleverly written. The voice is so on point. It's yeah. It's really great and it's why like cobra commander is maybe the worst person and the best character i think but uh i would give this one like a like maybe a nine like an eight or a nine because i don't think it's as technically well done as like 21 yeah i mean how would you compare it previously on the last episode we covered the snake eyes trilogy would you you know the going out the door test are you going to pick up the snake eyes trilogy to read again or are you going to read these issues again do you think first i mean that's really tough because the snake eyes trilogy i mean that's you go forth as a killing wraith and let <laughs> yeah. no man deter you you go into the arashkage mindset 
uh, in that one. I'd say, like, again, I think on a technical level, I think that one's probably like a 9 or 10, the Snake Eyes trilogy. Although, weirdly enough, it is a trilogy that definitely, like, continues in the following issue. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, He he definitely called it the Snake Eyes trilogy and then decided how long it would be. Yeah. That's that's really when you know you're working two to three pages ahead. Yeah. Uh, But... But again, I, I, I feel like a lot of stuff that happens in this issue is maybe not as exciting or as groundbreaking, but from the cover, that beautiful cover on the way, all the way down, like, what a great issue of G.I. Joe. So if I was going out the door and, like, going to lunch where I had some time, I'd probably read the Snake Eyes trilogy, but I have gone back and reread this single issue. Yep. Like, people have asked me, they're like, hey, what, what comics do you read that are, like, comfort food? Or, like, you know, you're, you're having a bad day, you're in a bad mood. And this is, like, one of the only ones that I will just go back to. Yeah, and read that opening sequence. It's always weirdly enough puts me in a good mood. <laughs> like this, Cobra Commander loses in the yeah. end. I don't know if everybody knows that. <laughs> Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Set on fire in uh in one fifty. Yeah, is that Slam Dance? Slam, slam Dance, Dance is the Cyber Castle. Yes, the it cyber is. Castle. Yes, it is. Okay. Well, if you're free, we might get you back. We might get you back for that one as well. Then. Oh, so good. I think I'm going to go the same as you. I'm, I'm teetering between an eight and a nine. I might end up giving it a high eight or a low nine. But um, pretty much for all the reasons you stated there, issue 100 as a standalone is fantastic. Chuck in, you know, especially 98 where Cobra Commander comes back and all that flashback story. Brilliant. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go somewhere between an 8 and 9. I'm yet to decide. Chris M. High 8 for me. High 8. High 8 for me. I think, yeah, from what you guys have said, it's a uh, it's, it's really solid story. Um, I must admit, though, I think 100, I agree, I think, from a art standpoint as well you've got the action in the desert with the fight and everything and you've got one of my favorite again you've got like a lot of favorites in there for, for me personally and yeah there's just i mean as an arc as well like really complex really kind of uh, overtly larried and i think that's what makes it really really good but at the same time like a lot of the ones that i really enjoy are where you've got um you know kind of more special mission based kind of issues and and even like I think so far one of my one of my favourite issues has been that second silent interlude. Uh, issue eighty five, SFX. Yeah, that was. Oh, one SFX of my is so good, and nobody ever talks about it. Exactly. I feel like it's even better than the first one, but you know that is controversial. I know you mentioned that, that, that is before. A it's, actually, it's actually if I look at our list, that is actually at the top of your list as your favourite as your favourite story so far. I so. still think that still sits up there a little bit for me it's just so good and it's yeah. so fast-paced and looks beautiful and, and it yeah we mentioned it's paul, paul ryan paul ryan in his own egi joe artistic appearance what happened to that guy man i don't know well once when, when you did that you don't that's it there's it's, it's only down from there well, he, did, he did he did he <laughs> did my, my my only knowledge of paul ryan is that issue and the very first issue when i started collecting fantastic four was issue 358 which is kind of just towards the start of the tom defalco paul ryan run where you know alicia is a scroll and all that kind of stuff and then he stayed on that crazy defalco run which i've got a soft spot for i don't know about you simo you like that run i do i do yeah another this is the last thing i'll say i know i've probably talked your ears off about this but i find it staggering that this is a hundred issues into gi joe and it's still this good yeah and, like, it kind of has been, like, there's peaks and valleys, obviously, but, like, it's kind of this good from, like, number 10 to, yeah. like, number 150. <laughs> like, yeah. like yeah, I will, I will go to bat for the Ninja Force stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, do you know what? I, 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 I still love all that crap. And, and I hadn't, um, I think for a long time, hadn't read the last few 
kind of issues of the of the of the run up to like 150 was it 155 and i remember kind of reading those for the first time in like you know my kind of like early like early to mid 20s and just been like just kind of like oh man I, i i'm really upset i missed out for so long on on this comic even though it's not as good uh you know as it start as it began i just i i don't know i just have such a there's a weird connection to it like a really strong feeling and vibe to uh just this entire marvel run it's incredible yeah and the fact that larry you know had that such strong i don't even want to say vision because like you know we've already mentioned it two or three pages at a time <laughs> but you know he, three he, page knew, vision. he knew what he knew what the book was he knew what he wanted the book to be and god damn it you know it's you know strong runs of like uh simo mentioned you know and marvel at the time you were on a book and you got an extended run that kind of happened to an extent with the artists as well. You know, you got that really strong Mike Vosberg at the start. Then you got, you know, the, the Frank Springer, the Rod Wiggum, the Ron Wagner, and now you get a kind of a nice Mark Bright period, you know, and I love all- Mark Bright. Away goes Jones down this left side. Bright's at the far post and delivers the perfect execution. Three nil. And it's Mark Bright, the scorer this time. Mark Bright yeah. was my first favorite comics artist. Okay. Cause he also drew that first issue of Batman that I ever read, which is where uh, Batman throws a car battery to guy. Okay. Which one's that? It's 425, 425 where Batman okay. fights a dude to junkyard. Okay. And throws a car battery at him. Throws a car battery at him. It's great. It's, <laughs> it's fantastic comics. Yeah. Great. <laughs> I know. I know him from the Black Panther run with Chris Priest. So that's uh, also very good. <laughs> yeah. 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 Not to be underestimated, but yeah, I'm actually in contact with him, semi in contact with him about trying to get a GI Joe commission. So fingers crossed that goes somewhere. Airwaves have been a bit quiet recently, so I might hit him up um, see see if i can get that done um please tell him he's stuff. like directly the reason that i am in working in comics today <laughs> him and jim <laughs> starlin done done in a minute chris is gonna tell educate us about uh, a toy from gi joe but i do hear something in the distance wait a minute what is it it's a gi joe pop quiz pop quiz it's a gi joe pop quiz pop quiz question two there is only two questions uh, so don't be alarmed this is the last Thank one uh this is Just for kidding. this is for Simo. Okay, uh, you're sitting at home. You're about to DM a D and D session. Okay, uh, your regular crew, unfortunately, is all down with the flu. God damn it! But they've managed to get some replacements that are not aware that you are DMing. They come through the door. Lo and behold, it's Raptor, Road Pig, Fred Seven, and Doctor Mindbender. <laughs> Can you tell me which character class each one of those is going to play? Uh, my minute is going to be a cleric. But he's going to be like a weird cleric, like a like one of those classes from a third party book, where it's okay. like he does like ability damage or something. Because I think he still has a little bit of that Doctor Bender in him, yeah. where yep. he's uh, yep. he wants to invent painless dentistry. Okay. Can I just say that uh, Road Pig is definitely going to be a barbarian? Uh, incorrect. Well, I don't know. No, but do do people play against type? You know, does the jock always play? You know, the the hero character does the nerd always play the wizard or whatever you know i don't know but uh, you're saying anyway you're saying road pig barbarian uh road pig's a bard yeah he probably easily is actually, yeah. easily not not to come on your show and, and, and <laughs> that's it's, fine it's wrong, but like road pig's a bard <laughs> oh bard okay yeah. yeah i like that i like that a lot he's got yeah. that sensitive soul oh, so, <laughs> yes, oh yeah, yeah. You're, you're going you're, you're talking about donald then i'm talking about donald yeah okay right i'm talking about road pig Okay. <laughs> that's how i get round it he's he might an angry play two bard. characters then that's how i get round it yeah he's gonna play two characters perfect there we go and yeah. uh diplomacy is uh, is key 
Uh, you got yes, yes. Uh, you got Raptor and Fred Seven. Fred Seven is a good even pick a class. He'd be like, I'm chaotic neutral. I attack everybody else. Like that's the way he is. He's the d- of the group, is he? Yeah, exactly. So we'll say he's a chaotic neutral rogue, and then uses okay. that as an excuse to just be awful to everyone. Nice. And Raptor is my last one. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the easy money there is a a, a ranger, right, with an animal companion. Yeah. But I kind of feel like. I kind of feel like he'd maybe go, like, Sorcerer. Yeah, I was thinking Sorcerer, personally. Okay. Uh, someone who has, like, that personal connection to the magic. That would uh, be an interesting right. group, anyway. It would be a very interesting group. <laughs> okay, that concludes the Giorgio Pop Quiz. Uh, now we're going to have a quick section uh, called Chris Talks Toys. Chris talks about toys, ho, ho. Chris talks about G.I. Joe. He talks about all the things from the comic book and the animated show. Chris talks about toys. Chris talks about toys. Chris talks about toys. Chris talks about toys. Hi! Yeah, this will be quick, but one of my absolute all-time favourite things ever is a massive playset that came out in the US in 1987 and the UK in 1989, and that is the Mobile Command Center. It's the incredible G.I. Joe Mobile Command Center, and it's hunting for Cobra. Three levels of awesome Cobra-chasing, Cobra-fighting power. Level one, armed and ready to attack! Level two, computer system is go! Engine room, we have full power! Level three, missiles loaded, let's go! Prisoner secured! Go, Joe! Now, this beauty pops up in the last couple of issues we just discussed and is this just gigantic, I would say the best way to describe it is a, uh, one of those like toolboxes that um, <laughs> as you open, like as you open it, uh, a toolbox, you know, you get the kind of sections appearing. It's very much in that kind of uh, in that kind of vein. And again, I'm sure the people listening to this know exactly what the <laughs> mobile command center is, so I won't go into too many details. But this beautiful, beautiful vehicle came with an amazing figure as well. But I'll take, I'll, let's let's go through the the, the actual vehicle figure, the vehicle first. This is a three levels, technically four if you count like the very, very top. So at the bottom level you had, it's kind of like a engine kind of, mechan- kind of mechanics area so that you can look, kind of like fix the vehicles and so on and so forth. Even came with a, a repainted ore striker engine, which could be lifted by a little manual crane, which was in, involved in that kind of lower section. And it's so detailed, there's loads of like panels and and bits of engine parts and little area to kind of like store weapons and stuff like that it's just a brilliant brilliant kind of pack full of features level as you go up the stairs and they have got these beautiful little steps around it as well that kind of go up the left hand side you get to the next level which is the medibay prison and communication center (laughs) which i think is a nice kind of mix to have in one room but you have this brilliant get them in the wrong room exactly yeah so you you'd have in like the the little prison section which is like this just slide up box basically which you could throw a a a cobra figure in there and just kind of close it and they're like these little slats on the top so they can breathe which is nice uh in the middle of that section you have two fold down uh medi beds which are just incredible again tons of features in this and then in the communication center a little chair that, that is on like a sliding point uh, so you can move it around and spin it around and everything. And this gorgeous Star Wars-esque 
kind of like perspex i suppose like screen which locks into the you know into the floor on that level and again loads of detail in and around it there's still these kind of see-through stickers that go on that perspex piece and it makes it look like those kind of displays that you see in the uh, the old star wars movies and the new ones now because they, they, they recreate those and yeah it's just a, it's just an awesome little kind of it's just an awesome level I, I, that's one of, I think it's my favorite level on the, on the actual mobile command center as you got the steps to the next level you have this it's like open top kind of missile bay uh helipad all sorts of different things on there I, I wouldn't trust that helipad as far as you could throw it it's probably more for like you know rocket packs and stuff but there's no way the tomahawk's sitting on that yeah i was gonna say <laughs> you're not putting the dragonfly or anything on there probably not no the okay. locust maybe but yeah nothing else how much out of interest how much this thing retail for oh i can't remember i think it was probably around it must have been around like the 50 60 dollar mark oh, right. uh, maybe okay. possibly Sounds even cheap. more than that well yeah like they they kind of back then they i mean that was probably quite a, a chunk of change as well like in in the uk i remember it probably would have been about i would say it would probably been about 60 or 70 quid in all honesty so it's probably a bit a bit more than that in uh, in dollars but yeah it was it was brilliant it was definitely like a christmas slash birthday present special occasion kind of uh thing uh we got it as an action force international heroes branded vehicle uh playset and the u.s obviously got it as gi joe a real american hero in terms of the box art um it's almost identical on both versions and you've got the triple t tank getting its tune up with the with the crane you've got like a slew of different characters all over there you've got shipwreck you've got crazy legs you've got uh outback falcon fast draw gung-ho in his marine dress uniform uh you've got psych out cobra commander's in the prison cell but it's open but you've got law and order next to him so obviously they've put him in prison which is hilarious you've got sneak peek jinx and i think fast draw and that's a, i think that's and then obviously some people in the driving seat but i can't make out who they are and yeah and also you've got another mobile command center in the background behind it as if there's like multiples of these which really makes me laugh like there's like there's more than one of these bloody things knocking about and it's massive it's got four kind of like treads that it that it you know moves on uh and then this front section which is the kind of the pilot or the driver's area with this kind of canopy that pops out it's got a radar dish with missiles on top of that it's nuts two huge guns to a missile rack that can be manned on the top it has a, a slide down the back which opens out and drops to the ground and it has this kind of stabilizing piece which locks in the back as well which is necessary to kind of keep it upright but also is like it acts like a lift and that piece can lock onto the side when it's in vehicle mode so this thing closes up and that can lock onto the front and onto the on one of the sides and it's just brilliant it's just an amazing piece of gi joe ridiculousness um steamroller was the figure that that came with the vehicle uh avril b whitcomb and that's the same name <laughs> cracking name that's the same name um on the uk card as well the only difference on the card seems to be that his secondary specialty is armor in the us and it's artillery in the uk so he's a heavy equipment operator born in duluth minnesota and his card reads thusly steamroller worked heavy cranes on the great lakes docks earth movers in the strip mines of appalachia and graders on the four lane blacktops of a half dozen states he was driving an m15a2 50 ton transporter when he was picked up for the action force team or the joe team in the u.s card 
He may only be an E5, but no matter who's ranked above him on his mobile command centre, Steamroller's gut instincts are the ones in charge. Qualified expert with all NATO small arms and explosives. And the quote is, He's a moose. (laughs) He considers a Peterbilt 10-wheel tractor a personal vehicle and a 44 Magnum a pocket pistol. He gets barred from bowling alleys for dang... (laughs) Sorry for damaging the pins he's stubborn ornery mean-tempered bad-humored and uncouth has he got any good points well he's on our side and that is steamroller and interestingly enough he the thing on his hat is dog uh whether whereas in the um in the comic it says mac doesn't it but yeah it's usually dog that's written on his on his hat well mac is a uh a brand of of truck yeah and uh he's also uh, that's yeah and again that's probably why they couldn't put on the toy uh and he's got a an amazing heart with an arrow through it as a tattoo on his uh, left arm as well and as i said you know the vest open shirt hat ugly as sin ripped and that's pretty much steamroller and that's yeah and that's my chris talks toys this week excellent as always educating me because i know pretty much nothing about any of these toys past my era of collecting so i feel like i'm cool. only educating you i feel like everyone <laughs> listens the people we have on they already know this stuff well you know good for them uh, <laughs> no good for me good for me because i'm the one learning um anyway hang in there simo because we've only got five more segments of the show to go now there's two two more segments of the show to go uh the next one up is called british colloquialisms aka over egging the pudding we got a pudding we're gonna egg it we got a pudding we're gonna over egg it we got a pudding we got no criticisms that means it's time for some british colloquialisms <laughs> this week uh my british colloquialism is fill your boots which Amazing. no one outside the UK knows what I, I don't know. Let's take a pop, uh, Simo. Have you got any any ideas about what "fill your boots" means? Fill your boots. I have no idea. Okay, so this means uh, it's kind of a go ahead. And in in context, this was used today. Uh, I was passing by someone's desk, and they had a couple of. They actually had a couple of donuts on their desk. Uh, some of the Krispy Kreme, uh, just the glazed ones. And uh, I said, "Can I have one of these donuts?" And the guy said, "Yeah, fill your boots." Which just means, yeah, sure, have a go. <laughs> so that's my also, one. Uh, there's also there's also a variant of that called fill your wellies as well. Fill your wellies. Okay, if it's a bigger thing that you're you know asking for, but that's my one. Uh, Chris, what is your uh, over again? Put it. My one actually did happen this week, and it's something I say a lot and don't realise I say it, and it's a Cockney rhyming slang classic. And that is Butcher's Hook. Have you ever heard of that one before, Chris? Simo? Yes. Yes. I know I know uh, what it is to have a butcher's. Awesome. Have a butcher's. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and just for those that are listening that don't know, this is the Cockney rhyming slang version of having a gander. There's another one for you as well. Yeah. To look at something, though it may seem strange at first, it's pretty simple. It is constructed out of the expression second word. In this case, the way hook rhymes directly with look. However, perhaps contrary to expectations, the word hook is often removed. So you may hear someone say, have a butcher's at this. Yeah, like it. Like it. Good one. There'll be more British colloquialisms to confuse our American friends next week. Although Simo did get one out of two, so not bad. 50% strike rate, try harder next time. <laughs> um, and we will close the show out with... Chief Bassimo, a question. Chief Bassimo, a question. What do he say? What'll he do when Chief Bassimo a question? So, as always, the hope is that he will answer the question. And this uh, week's question to Simo is, as a fellow fan of professional wrestling, what is your favourite foreign object? Ooh, ooh. It's probably the one that I have tattooed on my arm. 
Okay. Awesome. I have a, uh, a tattoo on my arm that I'm going to be explaining for the rest of my life, uh, but I got the uh, broken chair leg from the 1985 steel cage match between Magnum TA and Tully Blanchard. Of that, course you did. Uh, I remember that, listening to the, the episode of Ajax where you actually explained it. Uh, yes. Which was cool, uh, but yeah, it is the, again. the jagged piece of wood that is shoved into Tully Blanchard's uh, eye to make him quit in this I quit match. And I got a scroll around it that says, if you can't beat him, which is a reference to the Mountain Goat song, For an Object, which includes the line, I'm going to stab you in the eye with a foreign object. I personally will stab you in the eye with a foreign object. And uh, the, the finish of that line in the song is, if you can't beat him, make him bleed like pigs. If you can't beat him, make him bleed like pigs. <laughs> so it's a very aggressive tattoo. I'd like to think Wild. I'm a very easygoing guy, but yeah, that is my that is my all time favorite foreign object. I, I want a companion piece on my left arm, but I haven't settled on what uh, other foreign object I will get. Maybe a Jimmy Hart megaphone. That, that sounds <laughs> like a Matt Wilson tattoo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do the pins count? Like the little safety pins? That are not pins. The one thousand like thumbtacks. Yes, that was it. Thumbtacks. Do they count? Not. Is that a foreign? I don't think that's counted as a foreign object, really, because. That's generally used as part of a match. I guess if it's not in the script yeah, of the it's, match, it's, be, as it, it's not yeah. a hardcore match or whatever. No, so you think I was kind of on the lines of you know Jim Duggan's two by four. That stick with a barbed m- wire around it. Multiple people's guitars. Uh, Jake the Snake's Robert Snake. That's probably counted as a foreign object, I guess. Jim Crockett's tennis racket. That could be one. What about salt in the eye? That's usually um, I don't You've know. I guess, yeah, back in the 80s, that's probably a foreign object used by a foreigner in WWF's... Um, yeah, that was, uh, a, that was obligatory, Mr. Fuji. Obligatory racist uh, characters, yeah. yeah Mr. Fuji would throw the salt for, uh, for the Yokozuna. Sneaky, the sneaky Pearl Harbor attack, yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> Wowzers. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, so the, the, the broken... The broken, what was it, the broken chair leg, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. There you go. Done and dusted. Um, <laughs> Covered in mustard. Excellent. That brings a close to the show. Uh, it's been a fabulous show. Thanks to our guest, uh, Simo, a.k.a. Chris Sims, for, for coming on. Uh, we'll be back next week. We'll be reading. In fact, I have not done my homework because I don't even know what issues to tell you, the listeners, to read for next week. I guess it will be something along the lines of 101 to 104 but I have no idea where that... It's an October Guard storyline next. I don't even know where it ends. So what we'll do is we'll tweet it out. We'll uh, let the people know which... If they want to read along and do their homework, they can. Where can the good folks find you, Simo, if they want to hit you up? All all kinds of places. But uh, you can primarily find everything that I do at uh, the-isb.com. That'll have links to everything. Uh, If you want to talk to me directly and see if I will answer a question, if, if I am directly spoken to you can catch me on the terrible website twitter uh which is uh i am at the isb on there t-h-e-i-s-b cool and uh chris co-host chris where can people find you you should know by now but basically diagnostic 80 on twitter and instagram and of course uh the full force podcast you can find that on podbean itunes stitcher facebook twitter youtube pretty much everywhere uh yeah and you can find us talking joe on talking underscore joe uh, on the bad website as simo says twitter uh, talkingjoecomics at gmail.com if you want to fire a question talkingjoecomics on instagram and talkingjoe a gi joe podcast on the book of face uh, i recommend everyone go and check out war rocket ajax podcast uh, it's the internet's most explosive pop culture podcast um and probably the second best podcast out there behind this one um, 
but with all that said and done, we will catch you down the road. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic.